Dorktales presents Wild Beyond the Witchlight, a Feywild adventure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wild Beyond the Witchlight, how to run Chapter 4 here on Dorktales. Uh, in tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing how to run Chapter 4 of Wild Beyond the Witchlight, uh, Yawn. <laughs> anyway, did I get anybody? No, I didn't. All right, so hey, Don't everybody. Don't do that. That's evil. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I am the dungeon master of our little campaign here on Dorktales. Uh, I'm Kelly. Nice to meet you. I use he and him as my pronouns, and I am very happy to be here uh, because uh, it is it is it is a good time to talk about this. I think we're all recovering from Onyx Pathcon and doing like moving and things like that. So having a low key night before we head into the final stretch of Witchlight is is very good. I know Robin, thank you for being here. I know you're sick. Uh, Caitlin is a cardboard cutout tonight because uh, she has a night shift and will hopefully be joining us if we go long enough. Uh, but if not, she sends her love. Uh, so uh, with that, why don't we go ahead and send a circle around uh, and um, say hello to who we are. Then we'll start answering some questions and do an overview on what worked for us on chapter four, what we would change, what I did change, and uh, some suggestions to help you run it a little more smoothly. Uh, so first off, let's go ahead and start with Christine. Hey, how's it going? Hello, I am Christine. I am Lasor, because um, I foolishly did the thing called working out. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I play Gwendolyn Shafra. You can call her Win. She is our human monk. Nice. All right. Pass it over to Krista. Uh, hey guys, I am Krista. Uh, you can use she/her or they/them pronouns for me. Uh, and I play uh, Isaac Rinaldi of the Runigling, our Leonin rogue. All right, let's pass down to Caitlin. I'm not here. Okay, thanks, Caitlin. Also, <laughs> she and her. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, good to hit that. And finally, Robin. Hey, Robin. I was very confused for a second. Because <laughs> you're on a lot of cold meds right now. I am on quite a bit of cold meds. I called and well, I went to work. Then it, everything went way worse. And so I went home from work today early. Um, so, yes, I am retired. Look. Coughed medicine up, so it should be a fun night. <laughs> it, <laughs> but it, I'm Robin. Okay, you are Robin. What? I am. Robin. I was gonna say we were gonna be doing this super long tonight, so yeah. Um, I use she/her pronouns, and I play Cecira Novus, aka Sassy, the Tiefling, um, Clockwork Sorcerer. You're doing That's great. Awful. You're doing Thank great. You. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, folks, we're going to talk about Yawn right now. So, uh, quick warning. Uh, we are going to be talking about things that happen in Chapter 4 of Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So, if you are playing in the game or are trying to go in blind for some reason, uh, this is probably not a good episode for you to listen to. So, just, like, mute us and walk away so we get the view. And... Um, and, yeah. Uh, but if you are willing to hear what is happening here, uh, it is gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna be going through that shortly and uh, kind of comparing notes uh so uh with that little bit of spoilage warning there let's talk about yawn so how did you all enjoy this compared to previous chapters not as much yeah i i think the previous chapters were more fun this one felt a little bit like a dungeon crawl of you have to go here, you have to follow this path, you have to do this. Like there was no, not as much mm. free form it felt like. And we even changed that a little bit of like, there was a path you were supposed to take, but we were kind of like, hey, what about this path? What if we do this? What if we do that? You guys yeah. did mix it up a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you absolutely did. Um, 
did you find now okay let's let's go through the big beats okay so uh yawn so yawn obviously is a bit different than the other ones the other ones were a little more freeform yawn does have quite a bit of traversal that you can do but mm -hmm. we kind of streamlined it to make a path but once you get in the motherhorn um the motherhorn and loom lurch kind of suffer from I mean, each one of the hags has their domain, right? Which does give you a bit of a, like a micro dungeon crawl there. But Motherhorn is just, it feels a bit bloated for what you have to do with it. Yeah, it felt like, like I, I felt kind of lost. Like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I liked the setting of Motherhorn the best. Like I felt the excuse the theater pun but the set dressing for motherhorn i thought was the best of all the hags like i the map was incredibly daunting to look at i did not like it but i felt the the interactions we had and the descriptions and the whole vibe of the place i that was my favorite of the hags that we faced i really enjoyed the like theater and i love that she's just like yeah i just want to be entertained <laughs> and i want something new because i see the future and i know everything and i want to be surprised like i really enjoyed that how do you and she think she's creepy how do you think that endolin stacked up compared to the previous hags where would you rate your favorite hag who's your favorite hag i think she was the best one yeah she was like legitimately creepy in her description mm -hmm. um and I like the mother horn, but overall, I didn't like yawn. I uh, I can feel that, like um, because it didn't feel fantasy. Like the the bleak landscape sort of thing was just there's nothing to do with that very much. And it kind of so I've heard a, so one of the things that seems to be represented here is that there are three hags, and they're kind of set up like the Norns. So like you've got like the the Scald Ud and Ver, and Beldandy or Verdandi. Kind of thing of a past present future type of thing mm -hmm. but they're not sequenced in order and that really bugs me uh because if you look at it like hither thither and yawn are all set up in basically they're not sequential like they're not in the order they should be if that parallel or or metaphor is supposed to be playing out yeah um like for example i think that endolin is the youngest of them yeah. all uh, which makes sense because um, if you're going by like a Norn parallel, then Skuld is the youngest of them. But Bavlorna is the middle child and is the first that you go to. Whereas Scabbath is the oldest. And it feels like some of them should be like inverted or reversed. And yeah. I think that that could have been really great if you start in Thither. Or in, yeah, in Thither. So like you have a forest setting. And then you go to a swamp setting. And then you go to a blighted landscape. And you're yeah. watching the land degrade before you make it. And I think I think that yeah. works better. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, um, I guess I didn't really see the swamp as very creepily swampy um, because it was the first area in the Feywilds we went to. I was seeing it more as fantasy wildlands. But what would that have been like? I if felt that... us going upwards, like vertical. Like I, the swamp was low. The thither was more like foresty, hilly kind of area, and then mountains. So I liked that That's, aspect yeah. where we okay, were going kind of like you're you're climbing the ladder to the castle at the top see, kind of thing. I, I I get where Kelly's going from with a storyline is that you start here, you drop, and then you peak. 
like mm-hmm. when you, when you look at story structure like that's that's the ideal right is in mm-hmm. character development you start as like average like baseland then you go dark and everything is bad and gross and then you start having to work your way out of that and you mm. work your way out of it through the barren lands and then get to the castle at the end. Yeah. So having that, I, mm. I think having that dip would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Now, Mrs. Oh. Scarlet- Though I kind of see it as like, you start with which like carnival, right? Mm-hmm. So you start at a really high fun point there where you haven't really developed, you just kind of, you're at your lightest. Mm-hmm. But to I me- I feel like, and then you- which which light isn't part of the story mm. the carnival doesn't have anything to do with the story the carnival is the prologue mm-hmm. yeah the carnival is the narrator saying sit children and listen and then you get into the story that's fair yeah. yeah so like um miss scarlet knits in the chat right now says that which says it in order of future present past to set that up but it still bugs them but the thing is future present past doesn't work still because you're going what present past future in the way that it's set up and it's just it's weird um anyway let's let's jump we into complained the act- about this last time too we did, we did. <laughs> we let, did. Let's, let, let's let's jump into this let's jump into this okay so arrival and yawn so uh let's talk about companions amador and gleam what do you think of them do you like do you like amador gleam and uh paulinella yeah well enough i mean i think amador is great Amador and Polinella are great. The Gleam thing is a little... Maybe I didn't play it well enough, but it felt like Gleam was a little underdeveloped as, like, a companion. Whereas having, like, a swashbuckling dandelion, you can't go wrong with that. Yes. It felt like... Gleam felt a little, um, like, the, the Pokemon, you can't ignore them going on the thing, and then the arrow goes up the... Like, you have to interact with them to, like, continue the story a little bit. It felt a little bit like shoehorned, mother horned in. Part of my mm. problem with them is that it's tainted by the setting of Yawn. So for uh, me, so they're kind of lumped mm. in with that dark, gloomy, depressive feel for me, See, and Am- that just didn't work for me among everything. I feel that Amador and Paulinella bring a lot of levity that kind of break that for a little bit. Um, and what I oh, really yeah. like, they characters are quite fun. But I think the whole experience of Yawn is kind of like this dark spot among the other fun I was having in Witchlight. I, can I just see don't that. like those sort of that sort of setting. I don't like barren, dark, rocky. It's etc. Which is weird because we live in the Pacific Northwest. Now let's go through the actual encounter. In rainforest. Then. That's true. We have a rainforest, so we're very much like thither up here. Um, okay, going through there. Astronomer's Throne definitely did not fit the vibe of this module, but it was cool. It was cool, but I felt bad that I was the only one that got anything. That is a that is a problem with a lot of Wizards of the Coast modules. Um, uh, well, Ram and, and, and I mean, had like, tons of that. Yeah, well, because but like in this module up until that point, everybody got something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every interaction we've had where we've gotten a gift given to us, it has been for everyone. And so when I was like, "Well, I'll be the first to do it," but then it was like, "Oh, that's." that's it well and like okay. i was holding myself back because there's an impulse because i could tell looking at it that something's going to come from it yes as a character or as a player i was like okay well when is the impulsive one who just touches and sits on everything yep. and does sits, sits licks, etc but at the same time i don't necessarily want to be pushing that so hard that everybody else misses out on stuff mm-hmm. so yeah it would have been kind of cool if maybe it like transported everybody or like 
hit your whole party so whoever triggers it pulls the whole party into it or yeah. something like I mean, that for what it was like for what i got out of it it wasn't like game breaking yeah it was like, just I a got, proficiency i got oh, a proficiency yeah. in history right so it wasn't like like it wasn't a big deal but yeah it mm. was it was useful think... to have exactly yeah I, i'm curious to what all of you think because you you were connecting with uh what was his name with uh mazikoth the keeper of stars mm-hmm. and later uh inside of endolin's chest that comes back again do you feel that the book should telegraph that more rather yes. than because it seems like a lot of stuff is buried in this text and i know that like from all of the time i've taken english classes and things you should keep your eye open for subtext and connections and things like this but when you're running a module it's really handy if there is a connection between things that is clearly drawn out there, there are a few things in this chapter particularly where something will show up and it'll and unless you really pay attention it doesn't connect one well, that's the thing is not everybody is an english major running this mm-hmm. not mm. everybody reads that closely not everybody is an adult running these no. that's true yeah like who has life experience of maybe lots of reading or something in order to draw on lots of like connections to make they need to make the connections pretty like obvious for the person running it because like otherwise how are you going to know to pull it out or how are you going to remember maybe you've got months in between games exactly there like, is... unless you re- reread the book every bloody month there is something that occurs in the next chapter there is a room uh that you go into where you see something and i want to talk about it now but it's a spoiler and the way i read it the way they had it i was like oh damn that's really smart because i was reading between the lines but it turned out I was wrong, but uh, it's one of those things where like, I was interpreting the way that they have it kind of vaguely written. And after yawn, I started looking for those connections that were buried in the text Yeah, that were like, oh my God, this would be really neat. <laughs> oh no, this would probably ruin the story if I ran it that way because of a couple of things. But like, um, it's, it's interesting to see that. Another one, I we touched on this briefly, uh, and uh, skip ahead five minutes if you don't care about gender representation in a story, but uh, Molliver. Someone pointed out to me that Molliver in the story is a non-binary character. Uh, so the only way that you know this, so if you're reading people's write-ups, they never mention that Molliver is non-binary. They never say it as such. All they do is use they pronouns. Mm-hmm. Yes, Robin, what's up? I have a question because yeah, I have an um, I Molliver is part of the Valor's Call, right? Yes. And Valor's Call is from an old D&D thing, they right? They most likely were not back in the yes, day. Yes, exactly. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a bit weird. I mean, good that they're like updating and and trying to like, be yeah. more representative mm. towards things that have changed a lot since when D first kind of came out yeah. but for old dms that maybe have used molliver or other people that know DD that know molliver and pretty sure that they weren't non-binary in that i think it's a bit of a odd choice mm. for them to not maybe say something because they might default on you don't yeah. even need to say anything because you know no. what you need to do just for every character in the book that you're bringing up as a playable npc 
brackets pronouns so i i've been reading strixhaven they don't even do that in strixhaven they do have a pointedly non-binary character and that is mm. in their write-up but when i was making my little quick references i had to add pronouns mm. because they still didn't do that in that so and, and what happened was i didn't even realize this because like um yeah. like I've, I've written for for a few gaming supplements now and I've, I've had a few things published on like various like websites and things like that and generally if i'm i the most gaming companies that i write for usually for like onyx path and onyx path affiliated places prefer to use uh female pronouns or neutral pronouns when writing for the the universal character like uh when they use this power it does this type of thing right the reason being is that it's more inclusive uh to do that and uh it, the, the, I, i've always thought the way that it matters when you're uh, when you're writing is that by using a feminine or or they so feminine or neutral pronouns uh in your game writing you're either being more inclusive of people who normally aren't the majority in the hobby and if so, that's great because then, like any any you know feminine or non-binary person who is reading the book feels more included automatically, has greater buy-in, and sticks around in the hobby. But it doesn't hurt anybody. Like it doesn't hurt a dude who's reading it to go like, oh yes, she uses this power or they use this power, right? It's just a thing, right? Um, yeah. So gotta you're... say it works. Mm -hmm. I love reading it when it's like she does this, she does that. Or she can do this. Especially with a book like Vampire too. Like if you're doing a vampire book, it's like vampire. Mage. Mage. Yeah. I was reading Mage as like, wow, I feel very like empowered. <laughs> Which you should in those it. games, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of it, there is a lot of feminine or neutral pronoun use. And it's really like, it feels more like I belong in those sort of games versus older stuff that is just, it's all he's mm. doing this or she's healing as well, like and, and using they in your mm. writing language is, is just easiest because then you don't have to worry about anything it could be anyone using this so long it is a yeah. so long as the they is clearly singular or plural in the context yeah um which can be difficult if you're having people play this game who might not have english as a first language and yeah. i will say they can be convoluted if you do it wrong, you have to be mindful of how you use it. But when I was reading Molliver, I completely spaced on it because I'm so used to using they as as a singular pronoun for just anybody, right? Um, that it wasn't until I had a YouTube comment call me out, uh, not badly, but they were like, hey, any reason you made Molliver uh, feminine? And I was like, because aren't they? Like the artwork, <laughs> the artwork is kind of neutral, but I like... Honestly, when I glanced down, I was looking at it and being like, oh, this kind of looks like Lisa Bonet or like kind of like um, uh, like a little bit. Right. And I'm like, OK, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like if like just at a casual glance, the artwork could be is very androgynous, very neutral. Um, but that's how I interpreted it as a quick glance. But they're right. It's there's nothing in there. So I had to go back later uh, because I didn't want to screw that up. Right. Like I want to I, I like to provide a representation where it's available. Uh, mm -hmm. and had to be like, okay, Elkhorn just got the pronoun wrong because he's an old dude. Right? There you go. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of bumbling. Um, I think my Elkhorn's a little more bumbling than he might be presented to be, but he's 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 an old dwarf waiting to die with, and he has strength nine. Like, come on. I'm, he's, he's an old dude who's just like kind of like, he's good-hearted, but he's a little old. Yeah. Also, I feel like you should be able to in your in your game, and maybe it, like we're at a slightly different thing because we are doing a performance thing. Mm -hmm um but in your own game i feel like npcs like unless there is a specific reason 
which there shouldn't really like mm. you should kind of may be able to be flexible with gender i feel like that's like why you mm -hmm. could use they as a description in like a writing material book for like running your game it's like mm. you can choose what what this npc needs to be for the party for comfort level if your party is all female and they don't want to have a man telling them what to do you could have this npc be a female or be non-binary and it's more comfortable for their characters to interact so it's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i can see why it's an easy mistake to make because me as a done like someone that hasn't read a module so i don't know how well, it I works think... but it's like i'd want that flexibility mm. well, i think you kelly also read the description to me and it is incredibly vague like it just is not stated so it's an easy mistake to make mm -hmm. it's when you're used to everything around you being a gender binary I know it's not super important to like make sure that we always you know that we never make a mistake right because that's <laughs> not true not something that i just wish that it was telegraphed a little better like and I, I i'm of two minds because on one hand like that type of representation doesn't it shouldn't have to be telegraphed super hard it should just be naturalized but we're not there yet so please signpost it a bit better <laughs> so that i know <laughs> to include it and i know that's something that i could work on but give me a give me a hand wizards <laughs> like, well, it's it's hard, it's particularly like... in english when they them can be applied to any gender it's true so it it's not necessary like there's that level of in english at least i think we should be normalizing applying pronouns to everything in a clear like identifiable way it, I mean, it, and a lot I think of that's, people email I know we that. Were that's our signatures is is mm. person name pronouns yeah. in an email and stuff like that. It's like that should be it's, common it until it becomes. I have to use less. that all the time. Seriously, yeah. the number of I, I, I gotta, I gotta say that like being a guy named Kelly, I, I literally I, the other day I had somebody. Um, where where, where the hell was I? I was at. I was at the grocery store and I, I, they had one of like the coupon, like the, the, the membership thing. So you get points. Right. And I lost mine cause it fell out of my wallet cause my wallet's old. And uh, so I had them look up my name. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's Kelly Clark. So, and I'm like, yeah, what am I like the probably, I'm thinking I'm like the second one on the list or something. Oh, oh, you're actually the fourth. I'm like, there are four Kelly Clarks in the city. I'm probably yeah. the only dude. And the, the cashier was like, Oh, it's your real name. I'm like, Yeah. I, I wouldn't have picked that. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked that. Um, you know, I'm fine with it now. It was problem. It was a problem when I was a teenager. Um, like the number I of times Robin too. Like oh, I bet, I bet. I um my my first girlfriend's name was was Jamie, and we basically it was whenever we talk about the other, it was like oh you're I didn't know <laughs> it was. No matter no matter who we were talking to, we always were, were confused for a gay couple, so that was fun. <laughs> I mean, eh. less fun because I was growing up in the middle of Missouri at the time, but... Um, did I cut you off, Krista? Were you saying something? No. Okay. But anyway, so, um, anyway, I, just be aware that there are a couple of characters in this that are, um, that are non-binary, uh, or, or I think we also found that Amador might be an it pronoun. But if you attach, like I did, uh, Enrique Iglesias or uh, Antonio Banderas's accent, it's it's that that's masculine. 
Antonio Banderas is like distilled masculinity. Just I mean, some flowers are f- like if if I don't know, especially dandelions, but like flowers are male. They need population by other things. They have stamen, which are, you know. All right. Uh, awakened goats. Kind of male-ish. Awakened how you, goats. How do you feel about the awakened giant goats? You forgot about them. Let's move on. Uh, okay, Cyclops Beekeeper. How'd that go for you? The matchmaking was hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I like that we talked it down because we talked. We had our uh, Reign of Emery's after party uh, the other night. So there are, and Caitlin freaked out because she brought this up. And there are four ways to get out of uh, get out of fighting the beekeeper or dealing with it. So the beekeeper, so Mudlump will participate in an honorable duel against a member of the party or Amador. Two, you can confuse him with magic. Three, you can explain love to Mudlump. And you went that route and wrote it out. And I was so proud of you. I was so proud of you because that's what I think this module is, is things like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Uh, The other is that you can go to, you can like home invade him and take all his stuff. He's That's got a like lot of the more casual or classic D and D move. I feel that in the duel. It is very. I funny. wouldn't want to duel that. He was huge. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, he's way bigger than he's supposed to be in in the art. But I like that. What were you saying, Krista? Uh, it's very funny how so, like so many people in our Discord are talking about like, oh yeah, I'm running Witchlight. I'm running Witchlight. I ran Witchlight. I'm running Witchlight. And how often they're like, oh yeah, they killed all the hair and gone. And it's like, okay, I guess, but like, why go play Descent into Avernus? Like, like I yeah. hope I hope you're as as a DM, it's... like you're having like the Feywild get a little bit mean back. Like, I hope yeah. the, the consequences. I'm hyperventilating over here because I can't I can't imagine that they go play Avernus next and it's hell just full of hair and gun. <laughs> Because they multiply yes. like rapids. They multiply yes. in hell. They're just a bunch of hair and gone with horns. Well, I kind of wonder how strongly emphasized it was that you don't have to combat through this one. Yeah. And how much it was just kind of like, oh, well, my characters are fighters, so I just kill them. And it's like, like, I made a conscious choice as a player mm. of how I was going to play my character to try and have fun with the aspect of the Feywilds and that we didn't have to fight our way through this module. Right. Like I very definitely tried to push the whole party that way Mm -hmm. as a character, um, starting with the giant snakes in the beginning. Well, yeah, you definitely set the tone with that. Um, for sure. Christine, I think that was a really good thing. Cause I remember, I, I do know this, I think this module, I think Sassy was a little bit more fighty than the previous chapters because Robin was a little bit like, we're level six, so I don't know any of my abilities. I actually want to get into a little bit of combat because I actually want to fight some things now. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like, I did, I do want to use my abilities. I'm kind of, right? it's now like twice I've played monks, and I kind of want to play them again in a properly like normal campaign to really get the experience of using the the fighting abilities and how to mm-hmm. combine them with other stuff. Because I mean, the first time was Fendelia, which we jumped through the levels so hard that I didn't know half of what I had. That's true. We went back and forth a lot in that one. It was a weird, it was a weird conceit, but I liked it. So I kind of want to play a monk again, just in a different setting where we actually fight stuff. So 
fun fun side note um i've pulled up a DD beyond did you catch that easter egg thing uh and granny nightshade in thither actually appeared in ghost of salt marsh i forgot about that she she's a hag in the dreadwood there so she has multiple domains uh there are quite a few other like little things oh chris perkins's dog was drawn into the map of prismere that's funny no here i'll i'll link you i'll link the image in the uh in the twitch chat honestly if i was part of making that sort of thing i would totally do that too uh Molliver, make sure charlie was in it yeah regal run i mean we put charlie in like half of our games on the channel it's true so um the wizard of oz reference is pretty cute actually i'm very sad that we actually didn't have clapperclaw the scarecrow continue with you all because then at the end you would have been escorted by an oil can a scarecrow and a lion or a dandelion oh um, yeah that's so, amazing um, that would have been really good. I think that would have been very cute. I would have loved that. Let's go through some more of the uh, the random encounters because uh, we can blur through those pretty quick. Evil kite. I hated this one. So this was you were you missed that episode, Krista. So that you were sick that mm. night. Uh, the evil kite was the one with the goblin child who is stuck to the kite, and mm -hmm. if and it's only there are only a few ways to defeat this thing. What you have to do is you have to the the kite is attached to her. And is f flying wildly based on her emotions, which she's obviously freaked out because it's trying to pull her off a cliff, kind of. And if you cut the string on the kite, she ages 40 years. Instantly. Or 50 years. Uh, something like that. It was uh, a lot. It's a lot. So she ages to old age, basically, because she's a goblin. They don't live as quite as long. Um but what you have to do is you have to calm her down and then you have to remove all of the, the, the ribbons from it. Each one removes like 10 years from the curse. It's just kind of... There's nothing to it. Like, there's no... It, it's one of those ones where... I think like, it's one of those ones that is a trap for people playing normally. Because mm -hmm. your yes. first instinct is to cut her from the kite. But it just... I don't like things like that. And that's one of the reasons I had problems with some Curse of Strahd stuff, because it's it's that old style of game design where it's a setup with an immediate mousetrap punishment. Mm -hmm. Like, if you do the obvious thing, an irrevocable problem will occur. And while I understand the reasoning behind that, and I, I'm fine with the reasoning as it is, it's it sucks to be the player who goes, oh... We just ruined someone's life in one fell swoop and there's no way for us to fix it. There was no way for us to know that. Mm -hmm. Like by doing what seemed like the right thing, we we ruined this character's life. And that, that, that kind of sucks. Um, I liked how you played that one because it did give us the initial ability to respond with trying to catch her and weigh her down so it couldn't drag her off her feet and off the cliffside. Well, and that's what made me use the uh, uh, enlarge reduce spell again to be like small air resistance. So I found it was a, I didn't like dislike it. I thought it was like, it was one of those kind of, okay, creatively use. I like that we figured it out. Yeah, your abilities. Like that made it feel like a real like proper puzzle. Mm -hmm. so I think we just kind of managed to talk to her. See, that's the thing is that it's a trap for players who would immediately just go, oh, well, I just destroy the kite. Yeah, like, from right. a distance, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, well, I'll just shoot it off. Or, oh, well, I'll just cut it off. I was, like, throw a knife at it. 
I was half expecting Sassy to do that, to be honest. I was half expecting a firebolt just to destroy it. Uh, and I was like, mm -hmm, you know, um, but that didn't happen, which was no. probably mm -hmm. for the best. Um, so yeah, uh, next up the goblin procession. The goblin Fire procession Bolt was great. One bird at the beginning of the campaign. Hey, we got which some, came back. <laughs> somebody joined the Patreon because of that. So thank you. <laughs> um, so the dead ringers, the goblins that were walking around summoning the dead, loved it. Loved it. I love anything where the characters going to interact with something weird though, and we get to have a creepy ritual on stream. Did you guys enjoy that one? I did. Yeah, I. It's funny because there's something like that and also like Endolin, I I didn't like the the option of you can either participate in this and figure out like the future. Like I I did not like the fact that Sassy saw the future from Endolin kind of forcefully. It was kind of like Sassy did not want this at all and I was mm. just like I so I did not like that, that happened to Sassy. Okay. Um, it's an interesting character thing, and I think she'll work with it. She ended up using it to be like, "Fuck this!" Then I know I'm surviving. Fuck yeah. You. Remember, remember that it's a possible future as well. Yes, I know. Yeah. I, there are a million I, possible I, futures. Again, we kind of used it to do something else because it seemed like none of us wanted to like know anything, but we wanted to participate in the ritual. Yeah, that's see that well, kind of. Yeah. There was that, but also they wanted something for payment, right? And they particularly, I think, wanted food. They wanted trinkets. Trinkets, which I didn't have any. So there was literally nothing I could do because I didn't have anything for that. Hmm. I would have um, had to have asked somebody else to give up their ones so I could do it. So the the um, so after those guys, there was um, there was a there was an encounter I just skipped, and that was goblin shadows. At some point, you could have uh, encountered a bunch of goblin shadows that were kind of creeping up behind you. And um, they kind of just follow you and make spooking, spooky and threatening gestures and try to pick a fight with you, but they don't attack you. Um, that just seemed kind of eh. Um, it was a fun throw away of like, there's things over there. And we were like, no. Did I hint at it? You did. You said there, you, we saw them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I did. Uh, uh, maybe I make that could have been fun, though. Mm. Yeah, if you been. did it more overtly. Like over time and be like they're still following they're still following you because eventually I... well the thing is because then that leads for a role-playing opportunity where mm. wind turns around puts her hands on her hips and goes all right now that's fair we can see you so krista what you had you enough yet <laughs> um i was just gonna backtrack a little bit to the Please. um the dead ringers uh i thought that was a really great opportunity like i really enjoyed that for isaac um because like you know he does have like you know, it's fun to play a boisterous, ridiculous character, but if they don't have depth, what's the point? Um, and the 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 hints and pieces of stuff of him and his father, and like the backstory that ha that you have added into this, and like I feel like that's a real pro move with a module. It's like so many people kind of go either use the module just as a base, just do whatever the hell they want, or they mm. go the other way and they follow it to the letter. Um, you have done a very good job with Thank all you. of us of weaving the the characters in and like i think that's a really good example of like okay how do i my player you know wrote me a 13 page backstory how do i include it in a module and it's like that that is how you do it especially you, you one where you're in another moments. world right like how do you do yes. that yes and 
if you do not, so if you folks, if you're running Wild Beyond the Witchlight and your characters have backstory like this, uh, particularly if you're going with the Lost Things background, it is very, very cool to mix that in and find a way to connect it to their lost thing to make that even more frustrating, even more tragic. So for example, Isaac running away and joining the circus was partially motivated by his loss of height and all of that. Um, and of course the little man complex that, that, that kind of hints at, uh, and because of that, your dad probably died. Well, yeah. Cause he, he ran away to join the circus because of how he felt about his dad. And then he never left because he lost his height and felt a bit like a failure and needed like that was sort of the spiral mm -hmm. and then okay now we need to do this okay what is what is the consequence of that and and it shows a greater consequence of the the witch like carnival and say that yeah like this these may seem like petty things like oh i'm not as lucky or i'm not as creative mm -hmm. or right like these or i'm not as tall in my case which is very petty um but it's it's it it ties into the fact of like this isn't petty like there are consequences to these actions and look through it because literally the way i interpreted that was isaac had not grown up right literally like we're really looking at this as a surface value isaac yes. was not fully mature at that point huh. and he did not become fully matured not until he got his height back but until he made these friends and had this 100%. adventure where he had to put his bullshit on the shelf yeah now yeah. and it's the balancing act and it's the same with luthien Right. Like, I mean, yeah. like it, it's I think it's very obvious. I don't know if it's been perfectly stated, but Luthien's husband died because she couldn't find her way back to a healer in time because she had no sense of direction. And then you two have stuff that is going to be so sassy and and when are going to have stuff that is going to be echoed throughout the final chapter to remind you of what you've lost from that you know while creativity and luck might not seem like it's a lot it does affect your lives well i feel like win probably was that very lonely child mm -hmm. who threw herself into like acolyte training and stuff like that because she was so lonely because nobody wanted to be around her because weird shit always was happening that was kind of negative splat like the cinnamon buns all drop in the in the wa water puddle or something yeah. Are ruined but i think she went the route of instead of being the dark cold little loner in the corner being bubbly and bright and friendly but it's a surface thing mm -hmm. like she is in fact that sort of person but she doesn't genuinely share it with people like mm -hmm. there's no feeling behind it until like this the group and whatnot really did kind of like stick with her regardless of the weird shit happening around her Mm -hmm. and the unlucky stuff especially with like all the mud that got wiped on isaac yeah. isaac never shoved her away so she kept doing it so basically she was kept testing isaac yeah all right is this the time you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> shove me is this the time you're gonna push me away oh. right like yeah it wasn't incredibly like thought out and at first but it kind of worked but you kind of kept the, doing it you go with the gut feeling on that right like you yeah. find out like a character motivation you just kind of lean into it like i mean like sassy as well with like the lack of creativity um being as sterile and not stuck up but like cloistered off as she was at the start uh as like really interesting because she's so she was so dedicated to studying and like and and magical theory before and now she's like a little more wild child which is well, more very that stiff right yeah she was she was very like 
at the beginning of game. And I think that's yes, the... she had a stick lodged somewhere that now got she's removed. waving it around. Yes, exactly. Keiko. Um, so uh, let's move on. So pageant wagon, the pageant wagon. I loved. I'm sorry. You got the marionette. That was great. That was so creepy. That was so creepy. So I expanded it. It's supposed to only be stuff that happens inside of Yawn. I kind of had it sum up the entire thing. Um, thinking back to the Avatar Fire Island episode, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Because um, Avatar The Last Airbender has the best uh, penultimate episode before the series ends. And it is them going to a play of their own series and it's the best thing it's the best recap for the final episode i've ever seen in anything and i was like i'm gonna steal some of this um now i also changed one thing in this so each of them got a a ticket that allowed them to have a meeting with endel and moongrave without having to perform the play i wanted to perform the play so i said you gotta perform the play anyway so there we go. This just prevents you from getting like attacked or something in, you know, in, in Motherhorn. Um, the final encounter uh, that we did threaten, but all of you succeeded, was the tornado. The tornado can ruin your game if you do it wrong. Okay, folks, this is the way the tornado works. I want you all, do any of you have a dice on you nearby? Yes. Also, a, the tornado almost did wreck me. I almost went off the edge. Roll a D8. Okay, so the way the tornado works is that um, you everybody takes damage uh, after they are sucked away by it. So it's a DC 17 strength save. Um, if at least half of the party members succeed the saving throw, none of them are swept away by the tornado. Uh, what'd you get, Robin? I rolled an eight or a five. Cool. Sorry, I rolled a five. Uh, this could eight. this can ruin your game because that's a warp whistle effect. Uh, Robin, you are going to show up in the Palace of Heart's Desire immediately. Whoa. So you get a skip yawn. Okay, what'd you get, oh, Isaac? Shit. Or what'd you get, Krista? Did you roll one? S sorry, I thought we were. It was only one person. No, no, one. everybody roll a D. What, I don't what, tell you what was it? A D. All right. D, D eight. I'll roll five. one too. A five. You would have ended up on top of the one of the Fae beacons. Okay. Uh, what'd you get, Christine? Uh, two. You would have ended back in thither. Well, I would, have, shite. I would have ended in thither. So, um, like all of these, uh, hell, if you roll a seven, you end up on the main stage in the Motherhorn because it, it's open air. So it just drops you in there. So this can <laughs> this can absolutely wreck you. In addition, any character whose saving throw fails by five or more loses one non-magical item in transit that should be something that could be snatched away and is not recoverable. So if I wanted to be a real jerk to my players, and I don't think you ever should be, Luthien could have lost her gun. So if you have a gunslinger, you could take their gun away permanently until they build a new one. That's like a lightsaber. Like You can't just do that, yeah. you know? Um, so be really careful. Not as a random it. encounter, at least. I mean, that could right? be fun if you had time. If you're running a tabletop. Like if you're mm -hmm. running and you just want to extend it because everybody's having fun in the world. Mm. Um then you're gonna have to dip back and forth between your players and as dm you're gonna have to really put a lot of work in well everybody gets sucked away if the party fails so they all go to one place at least which is good but you got to be careful because that could bump you to the end game or it yeah. could bump you all the way back to hither like and now the game does kind of assume that you're going to be bumping back and forth between different areas 
Like for for example, uh, getting Endelin's cat back. Mm-hmm. That that's an option. I didn't want to do that. Like, did did you guys want to go back and forth between? Like, because then it kills all the forward momentum. No, because you know what? That was what was wrong with Strahd. That is a lot of what's wrong with Strahd. Is having that you to go, go somewhere and discover. Oh, you need the specific spell that you only get at fifth level to be able yeah. to get in. My my least favorite thing about Strahd was finding out right off the bat that one of the first encounters you have can only be only be solved well if with a fifth level spell at level two it's it's just a pain in the ass so you are what eight levels lower than you need to be seven levels lower than you need to be when you come across it and it's it allows for a lot of backtracking but i mean i know that you shouldn't always be able to like turnkey solve everything the moment you see it but it would be nice to get one win under your belt right away especially well, if you leave the death like house everything needs to for that game it's so much that you basically need to be planning to exist in the world for months but you don't actually get that time because you've got a deadline that you're working on you can't get mm. magic stuff you can't buy anything yeah because coins are worthless yeah like or that you just don't get any of them it just doesn't feel like much point. It's really, it's just really hard because there's no other solution besides go out and level up. All right, let's power through some of the locations here. So Lockbury Henge, that's where you went to the Henge. You met the Corrids. Uh, you I saw, liked that. A you lot. like that? Mm-hmm. I like so that we broke in peace. Especially when you talked, like the your again your descriptions are phenomenal, and when you, Thank you. um oh, compared to them. Uh, to the the trolls from Frozen, I immediately got this very. <laughs> oh, I know they do, and it's like it immediately brought this image to my head. It's like okay, I, I can see this perfectly. It's one of those perfect kind of like moments where you're like I can picture this so clearly in my head right now that I'm just there. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. Did you guys have a good time, Krista? You had fun with that. You learned to dance. I I was so desperate to use that goddamn dance. And I was like, this is a it, thing. This is genius. Let's use it all the time. Did you did you appreciate that that basically cut like the Darklings army down to like four of them? Yeah. Because there were like 30, like 25 Darklings just in that auditorium. And I'm like, okay, I've seen enough Final Destination movies to know how this would work. And the thing is, they don't. So the Corrid hair is in the book only used in the orrery. Okay, like that's the only oh, place fair. it specifically is listed. But when you all were saying, oh, well, we'll teach it to the performers and they can use it on the stage rigging. And I'm like, well, what the hell would the stage rigging be made of? Maybe rope. But if you got all this hair, why not make it out of metal? And it was one of those things where the player suggests something and you haven't. If it isn't, it isn't specifically been argued against or hasn't been stated to be something different. So lean into it. Why not? Well, Who cares? Especially with like, because like, I, from what I remember, maybe I'm misremembering, mis- but mm. like, I remembered the descriptions of being like, there was lighting, like there was electric lighting. Yep. So if it's been established that the corrid hair is what allows the electricity to run. So of course, like, so yeah, we're not pulling the rigging, we're pulling the lighting out. Right. And mm-hmm. and like that, that makes sense. And I thought that that was, that was, that was cool. And I'm glad that, like, you gave me that option because I did not want to run a fight with, like, 40 <laughs> NPCs because it's not it's not as much fun as you think it's going to be. And it's definitely not as much fun to watch. Maybe around a table with minis. A lot of fun, yeah. maybe. 
you know, you throw some fireball spells, you don't care about the NPCs, it's all good. Yeah, you get the dragon mini out for Polymorph, and then yeah. just, like, the dragon just, like, takes out, like, ten, it's great, like, those yeah. moments are great, but, yeah, on a stream? It's a little different. Um, okay, now I'm gonna roll for every single Darkling's initiative, and Kelly goes for an hour while we twiddle our thumbs and stack yeah. dice. Exactly, right? It's not it's the dice most. stacking. I don't miss that. I don't <laughs> miss that because that sound is awful when it falls. Uh, the Fey Beacons. The Fey Beacons were all right. They're okay. I changed a lot of things to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the, uh, the, the Peritons do not speak in the original. Right. So when you go up to them, the uh, so the two leaders of their of the troop because they're but they're a troop of performers that have been turned into peritons, uh, pelotons, I guess to get their work out in, uh, and uh, they're from Greyhawk. They can no longer speak. There is they can understand, but they don't speak it anymore. And the way to get them out of there is to either perform for them, watch them perform, or kill them. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like I I want them to have a bit of interaction. So I think I made it so that the two, like the, 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 the mated pair could speak or something like that. Yeah. And they were like Jersey shore. It was amazing. Like I th you start, well, and I think you started with them and then realized that like, Oh wait, they're not supposed to talk. Yeah. Cause I forgot to highlight that. I've been highlighting <laughs> yeah. the hell out of this book. Um, no, it was awesome. I think it makes it better. Um, yeah. And then lighting the beacons was fine. That's supposed to take a lot longer too, because you have to go up and nah, nah. it's, it's, it's a time quest hand yeah. wave that kind of stuff yeah. if there's no obstacle from a player doing something just just hand wave it it's not worth like making people wait around for a half hour out of yeah. game just to be like oh and you climb another one um uh, uh thank you everyone uh i feel like yawn in particular i've been getting more obnoxious with it but thank you for going along with my lies of yeah i'm from the uh gazette uh we're here to uh review your show like oh, it was so like yeah thank you everyone sass is like great cool you have a plan i don't so this is this is, i'll go along <laughs> now that i'm creative i can go along but she's still working on that improvise. i've been trying she's to play the thing with that of doing the kind yeah <laughs> i love it it's very very good oh, okay so, isaac you can be that <laughs> so um professor multiverse in the chat brings up a good point um he says i will always say it i don't understand why the fey beacons is one of the big three encounters when it's basically the heartless bard and downfall moreover the writer seems to have forgotten the rule of reciprocity so quick reminder that in the fey wild at least in prismere there are three rules and it, this is something you need to kind of reinforce i feel like i could have reinforced it a little harder uh but what they are is of course the rule of reciprocity which means that uh here i'll just i'll just re quickly re remind you of what they are uh, so the, the main ones are the rule of hospitality. When a friend, an enemy or a stranger enters your home, you're expected to be gracious and accommodating to them until such a time as they prove by word or action undeserving of such hospitality. The hags have done this to you. None of them have attacked you. None of them have done anything bad to you until you did something bad to them. Uh, the rule of ownership. You must not steal from a friend, enemy, or stranger. You guys have broken that like crazy, including that staff you have, sassy. Um, to take something that doesn't belong to you without rightful owner's permission is a crime and unforgivable breach of etiquette. What have I stolen? Probably stuff. I don't know. Uh, and the rule of reciprocity, when a friend, enemy, or stranger offers you a gift, you are obliged to accept it and offer something of comparable value in return. Such res uh, reciprocation 
reciprocation? Reciprocation. What am I doing? Reciprocation. I was like, I forgot how to speak for a second. Um, it doesn't need to happen immediately. So it can be like, I promise that I will I will do this thing for you, but I got to go get it first. That's really fine. Sassy spared her life and she gave her the staff. And, but she said, she said, that's my staff. Give it back. Multiple times. She asserted that it was her property. Uh, but we'll see how that goes in the end game. Well, I think for the most part... Wynn has only ever taken her thing and stuff that she knew belonged to other people that the hags had stolen in the first place. Well, that's slightly... Well, that's actually not slightly different. It's slightly I different to you. I guess that's true. I, I did take some stuff. So you took things from the hags. The hags are the ones who rule the realm, so they decide what is their property, and they have decided that everything in Prismere is their property. So literally, you, you can't take anything technically without it being stealing from the hags. So you got to kind of hand wave this a little bit. There are a couple things that um, should you succeed this module will not be forgiven if you took. I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> but there are some things that if you save the day in the end, there is some punishment coming if you stole them. Um, not going to tell you. I think you, most things we bought. You're probably fine. For the most yeah. part. The only thing that's probably is, I'm going to guess, the unicorn horn, which states where it does keeping to unlock. Sassy has no plans to keep that. Yep. <laughs> so you have to uh, you have to use that to unlock. Remember, there are two steps involved. Well, we didn't steal that. that. Yeah, you did buy that. No, we did buy that, yes. So. That's true. Um, but uh, what Professor Multiverse is saying is, at the end of Lighting the Beacons, the Prince uh, Alagarthus just leaves. He just bounce out of there and he doesn't give you anything i changed that i gave luthien a ring of water walking it seemed the perfect thing also he would have broken his neck had he jumped into the lake using a ring of water walking in my opinion <laughs> so that seemed like a good time to give that away uh it also made it like way easier there's also supposed to be a lot more rowing of a boat because these are all like jutting out of the water i was just like the dude give the dude a break um so give give him something that he can give to the players of equal value a little magic item try to give them something a little minor like a little flavor item um i would say like a ring of water walking uh, slippers of spider climb something like that a slippers of spider climb are way more potent than ring of water walking in terms of game mechanical value as you saw with win so be careful uh of what you do um so, and then we did the Briganok Mine. I was okay with the Briganok Mine. It was kind of... There are a couple of things in that mine that were really weird. Um, for example, the Briganoks put you to sleep unless you're immune to charm. Basically, period. Um, they don't kill you or anything, which is nice of them. Uh, the Rivenwish Chasm, where the, um, uh, the Flame Skulls show up and just give you shit. That's kind of fun. It's better when you name one of them Bruce. Um, but generally it's better when you name any flame skull, Bruce, um, Obed's grotto where you meet the pony with the like little house on top of it. That was pretty great just visually, but it felt like that part of the chapter didn't really flow. It, it felt like we were ch ticking off boxes more than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to reach Motherhorn. So Motherhorn is complicated. Um, the rain cloud balloon is there. Technically, y'all did not get to Prismere, or pardon me, to uh, the Palace of Heart's Desire the way you were supposed to. So you, you, you're not supposed to be able to, according to like the base assumption of the book, to, to fly there. Um, the rain cloud balloon is there, which you guys stole. 
but there's another thing you stole. Isaac specifically gone in 60 seconds stole it. Um, so like, technically I wanted to steal the ornithopter. You stole both technically. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I suggested the ornithopter. Um, so what you're really supposed to do, and it's actually kind of a cool thing uh, at the very end, you go into, let's see, uh, the dandelion. And I can... guess we stole the mirror. We stole the, the wardrobe with the mirror too. You did. You, you stole quite a few things, but at this point you're just getting fed up with hags. So I, I can't really blame you. Uh, there is a room inside of here. I'm just trying to find where it is in the book, but basically uh, there it is. A uh, bottle lightning disc. Hidden Belfry. There's a hidden Belfry in room M20. Uh, and you ring a bell that summons a flock of giant cranes, like like pterodons, uh, that you will ride to the Palace of Heart's Desire. On oh their my god, that's so much better! Than taking a Stormcloud balloon and like... And like yes. I mean, it's kind of cool. I would much rather ride a you get bonuses if you um rode the giant dragonflies to to ride them you get bonuses on that uh the the bird's plumage is soft and comforting and each passenger gains the benefit of a long rest at the end of the journey um you did steal a hag as well technically so pointed out technically nico nico stole a hag um but so that's the other way you get there. The other way is that Amador can lead you across the mountains through like a hiking expedition. So that's a thing. Um, so Motherhorn itself. Um, also, I think the um, I think what might be good because I honestly, I'm pretty sure it was in my my notes from earlier. But that's a thing where I um as a player playing a mini games I forgot about the the rule of well i've just the rule of three past present future on my notes so i didn't have anything actually in my notes about the uh <laughs> the the reciprocity hospitality and do not thou shall not steal so that's one thing where it's like um oh shoot <laughs> right i forgot about that as a player oopsies nice nice yeah it's like, ah, yes, right, stealing. That's something we're not supposed to do in this realm. Oops. But it's kind of hard to get that games. out of D&D &D mindset, right? Well, just also just different games, too, right? Like, playing several games where it is, like, something... Like, uh, Kickout doesn't really steal, but it's not like a slap on the wrist happen. Yeah, like, like in oh, other games, in other where I'd get confused where this consequences aren't as... Like yeah, there are stated. Uh, I will say that when you guys eventually advance in Netherdeep, there there is a there is a new place you will go in Netherdeep where where theft is on par with murder in terms oh, of I, crime. I know. Just gonna put that out there. I ha I, I was reading that today. I was today was one of my my study days. Um, mm. So there's a lot of stuff in in Motherhorn. Okay, the the room with the that turns goblins into masks kind of weird didn't really love it gotta be honest there's no way for you to fix it or help it aside from staying there for a month and using dispel magic yeah right <laughs> i get i get like yeah i have like it's like dispel magic is what like a third level spell i think yeah yeah so i get like two third level spells and like a fourth level spell at this point so it's like literally three spells a day and then i can yeah. use sorcery points to do it but i might get four sp spells to like 
dispel magic and yeah that was that was a bit rough yeah mm. um let's see what else the the play i think the play works pretty well if you are drawing them out of a cup in real life um we we did our best with with the streaming format to try to make it happen i thought it worked okay a solid a yeah. solid b minus effort probably or b minus result well, just we because did of the best that we i think we did okay but the limitations are uh the limitations of the format of streaming to y'all and not mm -hmm. being in the same room that's the other thing um had if i had time to program a random generator for everybody so that you would click a button and your your line would pop out that would probably have been better or something like that but um yeah or even like yeah just having them in, even cut up in a hat and then you pull them for each of us as we go around or something like that's that that's a or... lot of work for kelly to like try and feed us lines as also running i think the problem I mean, is that's that with true but the streaming format is that we're already describing what our characters are doing so then describing what our characters are doing describing what they're doing on a stage is much I think it'd be a lot more fun if we had that moment where we leave the table and go act out this scene in front of everyone else at the table that's watching to yeah. then do that. I think that's what it's meant for. I think that break. Well, because the way it's done, I think in the book is that you literally draw from a hat. So you have yeah. no ability to choose your line. Yeah. It just happens. Mm -hmm. So potentially what could have been good even is just split it up randomly into lists four lists and number them. And go okay roll to figure out who's starting off and yeah. then you just have to go around and we had no ability to pick kelly would have randomized it yeah. so we would know what's coming up next that we'd have to say but it would still be randomized in the the order right miss scarlet so that knits, could have worked miss scarlet knits has a good idea on wheel of names which is like um mm. like an online mm. uh like wheel of name like wheel of uh wheel of fortune style like spinner thing like for prizes and stuff um, that would have been a smart way to do it. I used a Google yeah. Drive. It was, it was okay. Yeah, but just, I mean, there's ideas for how to do it in your game. So if you're running online. Mm -hmm. um, so besides that, what else we got here? So performing the play, eh, that's kind of a thing. Um, the, the way that the play actually works is that you all get a random roll and that uh, you set a timer for 10 minutes character apparently you set a timer for what is it like um player must ad lib a tragedy uh they can move around the stage um at the end of the how does it work uh tally one success every time a handout line is delivered in a way that complements the narrative tally one success uh blah 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 uh you basically just have to keep using them right so it's it is what it is the um th the thing is someone's gonna slam us in the comments i think for saying that motherhorn was a complicated map it's not a terribly complicated map when you're running it at a table especially if you have this as like a printed out map or you've drawn it on your battle map when you're running it over stream with people though it is there there's quite a bit to this that makes it a bit a bit much especially because there are quite a few areas that aren't really you're not really headed to a lot of the time. I, I found the shadow theater room to be to be kind of crap. Um, if I if I can say so bluntly, it, it didn't really add much. The shadows are watching a play. Okay, cool. Like, mm -hmm. and I will also admit, I think maybe the goblin encounter might have helped with that because oh, the I goblin is, shadows? 
Yeah, because I as sassy, I didn't know we necessarily wanted to destroy them. I thought you were talking about shadows. I thought we wanted to cast them to make them bigger to be able to like leave or something. And that's why I went to like light up the mm. the magical light and instead b blew it out. Um, so like I as a player didn't I didn't know what to do and everyone's like everyone knows what sassy's gonna do and I'm like, uh. Nope, Robin doesn't know, Sassy doesn't know, but sure. So that's where that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. was like, oopsies. Yeah, it, also I didn't realize that um, there, there's just uh, like a very brief word uh, that uh, the destroying the shadows returns them. I thought that when you destroyed the shadows, they just destroyed them, thus adding a little bit of narrative stake to it. Like, oh, if you just, if you, because that seems to be a lot of what the module is going for is like, if you wantonly kill things, bad things happen mm -hmm. and i was totally down with that and then to find out that oh it just they they return to their bodies then i was like oh well what what's the point well and that's why i was like oh clearly we just need to take out the light because when it's all dark there's no light so there can't be shadows so that'll destroy them and send them back because yeah. otherwise why would it matter if there was a big light source and no other light sources in the place yeah except they're animated shadows so technically they're creatures of their own blah blah blah, blah. yeah i mean i could i could have just hand waved that in, and and in in a module mm. that desperately asks you to think outside of the box to then turn around and be like, here is a kind of obvious outside of the box thinking, and then completely ignore that was very frustrating. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Take away I'm the sorry. light. There's no shadows. <laughs> I think I think that in the next time I probably I probably should have done that or allowed that or hell even you cast a darkness spell and it wipes them out or something like that. Mm. Like if you need mm -hmm. something mechanical to do that yeah. and and yeah, like you can't just fight them all. Um, I did think it was hilarious when, when you all fought them and you were able to put one to sleep because it's technically not. And then apparently to... stunned works. And then stunned worked because it was a fay, and it was like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. I love it. Um, but you know, I was kind of iffy on that. The um, you guys didn't engage with the um, the uh, the the future device. The what's what's the name of it? The the aura. The or whatever oh, you didn't called. look at any of the books of future. So you actually missed out on some stuff uh, inside of the books. But this is also one of those things that you never you rarely see in a module unless you have people who really talk about like, oh, I stay there for hours. Um, because if you look through the library and you spend at least, what is it? Two hours looking. Uh, if you spend characters, who spend at least one hour looking at these texts finds verses that pertain to censored, censored and omitted. But you have to say that you're looking through these books for at least an hour and everything before that just says that it's like, they're full of future predictions about people that you don't know like it literally says you don't know who they're talking about or at least it yeah. seems. so like it it seems like it's like oh if you do this pointless information dive you'll get something but it you're discouraged from doing it yeah mm -hmm. see that's the thing is i think if that's the problem is you have to have like the not the sense of urgency because then yeah claudette would have looked through them all that type of character right the type of character that's being played as an intellectual yeah would probably say oh yeah i'll spend the evening in the library looking through it if we had stayed 
to wait for Endelin to to come back absolutely Mm -hmm. um you know Isaac Mm would have wouldn't have necessarily read through them because he didn't want to see futures but he still would have like you know looked his way through all the spines and if there was one that was different maybe he would have looked Mm -hmm. well because I think that's the problem with um well the problem but that's what happened I think one of the things we were kind of in the library starting to start to snoop and then the the uh, encounter with what's her nuts a acelin or acelin or the Mm. the the prop lady um kind of steered that direction a bit of the of the narrative being like okay and now we're now we're done kind of it had that finality while when we decided not to um wait for endolin to reform Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think no- if we'd maybe killed Endolin, like if we'd actually managed to finish her off, we would have been comfortable to stay there. But we didn't know when she was going to reform, and we just didn't want to get in the fight again. Uh, Professor Multiverse just pointed out something really interesting about the shadows. Um, so if if you go and take out the sh- the goblin shadows that are kind of like creeping around outside and yawn, um, because if you destroy a shadow, it goes back to its owner. That would return the shadows to the two goblins who are the parents of the kite goblin who are working backstage and then that could give you a chance to realize that destroying them reunites them but the module yeah, I doesn't was, i so was under the impression that we had to sew them back on so i was very confused up until because it telegraphed box. that is a huge freaking plot point right yeah you did so i was very confused when we suddenly had to destroy shadows i'm like wait don't we need to yeah, save we them had to sew them yeah because so i suppose that stole the thread that only applies to those shadows, not the shadow we killed. Sorry? So this only applies to ones Endolin has removed, not shadows in general. So, yes. Because we killed a shadow. You killed a shadow, but that was one that Endolin had removed. Then why did it die? Why did I get guilt tripped into killing a shadow when it should have gone back to the elf? Because I for, because I hadn't I, I forgot to read that sentence you basically. Son of a bitch. Oh, I did. That, that's why I was very confused. That's why I was so confused yeah. when we went to go kill the shadows. I'm like, wait, that destroyed it though. It killed it. Did, it. Why it are we did, trying to it, kill well, people's shadows? That, that was my mistake at that point. That was my mistake. That's I still I think I still think it's better. I think it's a better story if it dies. I think so too, because I did not want to kill them when we went to that shadow room, and then I was told to kill them. And I'm like, but if you, but yeah, okay. if they, it takes all the they stakes don't... out if they don't matter. If there's no narrative way to them, why even have them, right? Aside mm-hmm. from just like kind of, they're just putties, right? And then you're playing a Power Rangers game, which if cool, but anyway. So I'm sorry for guilting you, Chris, Krista Rinaldi. I don't uh, like any of the shadows in any of this. I, they're I, all wrong. They're all wrong. The shadows here are wrong. Um, other things inside of Motherhorn that I want to touch on. Um, so there's a lot of like dungeon crawling you can do or a lot of sneaking around you can do to kind of like look through stuff. Uh, it's all fine. There are places where you can just get blowed up by the Orenthopter. Or not the Orenthopter, the Orrery. Um, Endolin drinks bottled lightning to give flashes of insight. And if you drink it, you take lightning damage and might explode. Um, like it's, it's got some fun stuff. Uh, my favorite thing in Motherhorn, aside from the prison door. So the prison door you went up to that got like that uh, stage fright scepter opens. 
you can trick it into opening by either telling it a good joke or yawning in front of it so that it will go i love that i love that as a solution didn't really come up so not a big deal um i loved having skilla in this and i think it was 100 percent that i played her as like a, a kinky pervert dominatrix <laughs> idiot she was great that was the name i was looking for skill and not aosin aosin was is nether deep whoops well because you guys wanted you wanted to buy a boss fight you wanted to fight somebody and like the mm-hmm. fight with the fight with um endolin was really quick because you had a dragon and then you shot her in the face a bunch of times and monked her and like it, it just like that combination sucks for an NPC, especially for an NPC who's just one person, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was. I was kind of surprised she didn't have help there, but was that because we distracted the darklings? Absolutely, it. it was. It was you set it up to win. Um, I had determined that she had gone back to her study or her bedroom. I mean, to wait for the next play. Mm. Mm. so um and it just it, it, it you just you just wrecked her right and i think that's just a factor so i wanted to give you something fun to fight and the fact that downstairs skilla slash uh charme had eight animated armor props uh <laughs> i was like oh we gotta have a beauty and the beast fight because you yes. guys aren't gonna go downstairs and like barge into her dressing room or yeah. you probably would have eventually, but I think it's way more fun if she's like, she barges up and she's like, I heard there's trouble up here. And my patron says, I got to protect these stupid hags. Yeah. No, you yeah. Know? I think it was great. It was kind of a moment again, where we were debating what we were doing. Sure. And it's kind of one of those moments where I'm not, I'm making the decision for you players. You guys are up next still. Right. And fun. so, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically what happens in Motherhorn. It's fine. Um, it it doesn't it does not have the same punch as. I mean, have any of the the Hag dungeons been really fun? No, no. I honestly think this mm. is the best one so far. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is the best out of all of them, right? And it's. I mean, I kind of like that moment in the first one. Where when froze on the stairs and I was like waving the others back, going, no, no, wasps. I think I think we had she some fun to in that. It? Yeah, but I think personally, and I think Robin kind of expressed this as well. Of like, I felt really lost in Motherhorn, and I mm-hmm. like it's why I went to violence as well, is because like Isaac wouldn't have. But I was kind of like, I just, I need to hit something because I don't know what the fuck else to do. <laughs> right? It was kind of that moment where like, I don't know what to do. Okay, punch. Cool. Okay, we did the play. I tried to bring out an eclipse. The eclipse didn't do anything. What are we, I don't know. <laughs> Fucking let's just do something. I guess we'll just fight her. Like, I guess we'll just fight her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that is, um, that that's Motherhorn, guys. Like that's. That's what we did to get through there. There's a lot of different things that you could do through here. Uh, a lot of ways to interact with the prisons and things like that. It It's it. It's it. I, I, I want to say that going forward, um, going into the Palace of Hearts of Desire, no spoilers for, for the actual palace, but it is more of this. 
it is more of a dungeon crawl. There are things where, um, like I, I've mentioned it once before, I think, uh, I think last game where it is kind of resident evil house puzzle or mist house puzzle in places where you cannot advance unless you have certain items that you have to find elsewhere. Like you need the red key to get through the red door type of thing. And there are places, and this I'm just going to be completely blunt on, just so that Krista, you prep yourself. Unless it is a very specific door, the magic doors cannot be picked. Oh, that's fine. But that as a rogue, I want to prepare you for that, that like after Isaac gives it a couple tries, I'll make it flavorful. The book does yeah. not make it flavorful. It just says <laughs> these doors cannot be opened by any non-magical means or their, their key or something like that. So a I character that has knock... I'm not going to tell you if that works or not. That might, mm -hmm. you might need to cast it at a higher level or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, when you come up against it, I'm going to have like the keyhole kind of go mm -mm, and kind of like cut, like pucker its lips and move away <laughs> or chew fun. up your lock picks or something. If you try, oh, right. That'd be so cute. Like let, make it fun. This is Alice in Wonderland inspired, right? You know what I've been waiting for this entire time. I have not once opened a door. You know yeah. what I got made to do at the Witchlight Carnival? I got given a like compulsion to knock before I open any door, even if it's already open or unlocked or whatever. Like mm -hmm. any door I try and open, I should knock first. I've never once opened a door. <laughs> so, as you're going into the palace of as you're going into the palace of Heart's Desire, there are a lot of ways you can beat this thing. It has. Uh, to give you a sense of how big the next dungeon is, and then we'll answer some questions from the audience. Um, Motherhorn had 22 rooms in it. The Palace of Heart's Desire has... Let's find out. Uh, has... 51. So it is quite the quite the palace. Um... A lot of these are like stairwells and things. There are like a good five stairwells. Um, so I want to get this done at at a very fun clip. So there are times where I think going forward into Palace of Arts Desire, we can hand wave things. Because there are some places where it's like, oh, you have to go back and forth a few times. We're going to hand wave that. Like, okay, you go back to this place. It takes you this long. Or... See, I think I think like one in one of those situations, it's like okay, so you know, do that the first time and be like, oh, mm -hmm. you got to go back and get this thing, and then your players will get after that first time of like, oh, we need to make sure we pick everything up. This is a Zelda game. We need to pick yeah. up everything we can find, mm -hmm. and then once you do that once, your players will just be like, okay, what's in this room? What's yeah. in this room? What's in yeah? This I, th room? I think I I think I agree. Like I would like to do the whole like. I would like to do it once and then and then we can like hand wave it for time. That's, but it's that's like, what yeah, I would I'd love, do, yeah. 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 It's just it's fun doing um mon um to you know figure things out and then muddle through it and then cuz that's like video games too, right? Where you're like, mm -hmm. okay, took me forever to figure yeah, out this fast puzzle. Travel, but now that I'm what I'm doing is like, okay, yeah. Hey, fast travel this fast travel that okay i know what i want to do but now that i've i've, I've got done through the pain i deserve i, I deserve the, the fast travel it's true okay 
So let's go real quick through the um, the last one. So we've kind of summarized it. Yawn takes a lot of work, folks. Just keep your party moving through it. Keep keep them going through. Accent the things that they're going to have fun with and hand wave the stuff that doesn't seem fun. Lean into the fun. Anytime in Yawn that you can play into like the fairy tale aspect of it, do. I'm honestly really sad that there's not more fee-fi-fo fumming around here, that there's not more giants, that there's not more rock trolls that are like like never-ending story rock trolls. There's a Gallop Dur at one point, but it doesn't really, I don't know. Um, okay, so I have a question here from, uh, let's see. Uh, I have some questions from, one from Husky. After running a live of this, are there anything you change on how it operates or just thoughts on it in general? we covered a lot of that already i would mm-hmm. i would have leaned i would have cut a few things i think or i would have restructured them just so that they flowed a bit more smoothly or were a little more whimsical i would have added more whimsy is really what i would have done um i would have probably written a couple of additional events maybe some stuff with like echoes of the past and future because that would have been kind of fun if there was like something where you had to like you bumped into future old versions of yourselves or baby versions of yourself in like a yeah. tunnel or something like that. And then um, you had to answer questions about yourself to yourself or something like that. Or... <laughs> well, what, what came back, which was really interesting um, with this chapter, which we forgot to talk about, because it was the, the diamonds that was brought back from the questions that we asked or oh, something, yeah. the wishes that we made in the Witchlight Carnival. Yeah, we didn't talk about us. the wishes. The diamonds or oh, like true. stones in the Brigonoff really mine. Back. Which I, I I really enjoyed that, which was a nice kind of that was back. that was a good thing, but it doesn't really Do yeah anything. that does come back no. and that's nice. Mm-hmm. I, but yeah, like more stuff like that, it just it just reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, that is something that happened in this chapter. Was we actually did get that kind of seeing that previous actions was, that was cute. I think, and that's that's another thing that ties into this weird like past, present, future thing. Whereas this is supposed to be the future hag, and yet she like we dealt with dead people and things we did in our past coming back you're right yes we did hmm, hmm. interesting hmm. Um, sorry so husky was asking in in response to like uh wanting to push their players along and keep them in line um line feed them that is the most important thing uh make sure that there's a logical progression of events so that they can follow a trail um don't just drop in the middle of yawn and be like okay bye make your choices um, cause that will be, that will be, um, that will be what it is. Right. So, um, yes. Uh, and I, I will say, uh, Motherhorn was the least creepy dungeon, uh, Professor Multiverse is right. And also Professor Multiverse just said, um, that, uh, the module is very afraid that you won't figure some things out. So they layer it multiple times, multiple, multiple times and have been multiple NPCs say the exact same line. So try not to beat your players over the head with certain knowledge that I will not say here because if my players didn't catch it, they don't know. However, you should probably go talk to the king. Yeah, you, you should. probably should go talk to the you king. You probably should talk to the king. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, what was your favorite party on? Least favorite party on? So, Random Equinox, thank you for that question. We answered that. What was your okay? What was your favorite chapter of Wild Beyond the Witchlight to date? Uh, the the first one for me still. Witchlight Carnival Damn. was my favorite. I I think I liked Thither. Thither is my second favorite. Yeah. 
Um, and... See, I think I liked I, which I carnival, but I think actually I like Hither, the first one, yeah. Swamp. I Hither. really liked. Oh, yeah. liked Hither. I like Thither. I really oh. liked the carnival, but I loved the first episode in the Feywild, so I'm really into the Swamp too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then was there any part of Beyond that required significant amount of changes or revisions on your part? If so, what did you do? I kind of tried to run it kind of by the book and twisted stuff around. Mostly it was adding Charmaine as, as, as an antagonist at the end and having her just show up ready to fight. Um, and like looking at that chaotic evil alignment and being like, okay, she's nuts. Like she's, uh, she's a, she's certified batshit. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that sometimes you need a villain like that. Who's just like, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's totally. what you expect out of this module. Like I yes. expected more, but but the hags yeah. really weren't. They were more like me with a couple. Of hags, I feel like I, I feel like Scabatha might have, but we didn't really get a chance. I th no, that just is one bagged, just just bagged. You you yeah. she tea bagged and bag bagged. Um, apparently bag. one of our viewers, uh, our one of our patrons, actually Amberthist is running that game, and uh, in, in their game it turned into an Ant Man battle. Yes. Where like she was shrinking through like keyholes and stuff, and I was like, "God damn it! That would have been so cool." So good. Oh, I was so, so heated. I was so heated about that. Um. So, and let's take the last message from the chat right now, and, and then we'll wrap. Uh. So from from Jim Scheller, how much, if any, homebrew content have you added or used throughout the campaign? A decent amount, I'd say that I have. It has been mostly cameo appearances. Um, because the Feywild is so chaotic, you can throw people in from other campaigns. I I threw in the McElroy brothers and and their father uh, in the first episode. Uh, I think I had Matt Mercer running a. That's right. Yeah. For for so mm -hmm. uh, one of our players, Way, uh, runs a lot of games for like um, uh, adventures. The Guild. Adventures League. Adventures, adventures League. League. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. League and League. Uh, yeah. so I had in the refreshment tent area of. Uh, which like carnival a bunch of D and D games being ran and he was running them and Matt Mercer was running one and Matt Mercer checked a rule with him. Yes. Because way is an encyclopedia of rules. And I know yes. Matt Mercer is too, but I was like, happy birthday way. It was like right before his yeah. birthday. And I'm like, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I think uh, also like, I think for like homebrew stuff too, like a lot of our homebrew rules, like the offer and stuff like that, where we actually keep out of modules a lot just because it's a uh, something different. But like all of our like short, like we keep short rests small and stuff like that. Well, Nico was exclusively homebrew. Oh, Nico, yeah. Nico's Nico. a homebrew race. Yeah, a homebrew race. And uh, there are some plot points involving Nico that were were homebrewed as well that I will tell you after the campaign is done. <laughs> um, but a lot of it, like um, making sure that the characters had had tied in backstories. I think it was more narrative than homebrew. Um, yeah, we, we changed up a little bit for my character as well for what I lost. Oh, yeah. that's right. We had pickle damage. I forgot about pickle damage. Oh, I homebrewed pickle damage because there was custard damage and you can have custard and pickles. I also had uh, proficiency in bucket. And proficiency in bucket. Right. That, that's true. <laughs> but also my lost thing was not part of the book. Yes, that is true. Uh, so I I changed, so I homebrewed what Caitlin, Caitlin had the lost sense of direction. I changed it from a wayfinder orb to a lantern, an elemental finding lantern. Or a, a sorry, it's not an elemental lantern, but a lantern of location um, or whatever it's called. Uh, I included mustache wax from a homebrew book uh, for Isaac. That was great. Uh, so and then good. for when uh, we couldn't find something that really fit, 
or no, we was talking about like, well, what if she lost her luck instead? So we, we made that and I picked that the corresponding magic item would probably be like a lucky die because it's a common magic item, which all of them are. And it seems something so petty that the hags would ruin someone's life over being able to cheat at Yahtzee. That they would play once a year. That's what you do with your siblings. I don't know what you're talking about. That's yeah, you, you cheat at your siblings. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. cheat, cheat at Monopoly. You ruin other people's lives so you can win at Monopoly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but um, so or folks... my brother just tried to take advantage of our older grandmother and just tell her, "Oh no, this is a rule, Grandma." <laughs> of course, of course. I think he was like five or six. So if that was Monopoly, that was basically him being a lobbyist. So congrats. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rule, Congressman. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of homebrew. Um, we've used quite a bit, quite a, quite, quite a bit, and there's more to come. I promise that there are going to be some fun stuff that I've decided to shoehorn into the palace. Nice. <laughs> you'll see, you'll see. Um, but folks, I think that that's a great place to call it tonight. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this how to run chapter. Uh, we've got one more of these to run at the end of this game, which will probably be maybe two more. Uh, it depends whether or not it'll be how to run the palace of hearts of desire or how to run wild beyond the witch light as a full retrospective. Both of those could be fun ones. Um, and I hope you stick around for that. Uh, we will be back next Monday night, uh, with wild beyond the witch light. Um, the palace of hearts of desire episode 24, I think. And we're in the home stretch. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun and there are so many surprises left in store. I hope you stick with us for it. Um, thank you so much for, for watching and, and for being with us on this adventure. And this is honestly my favorite module that wizards has put out and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Um, y'all had a good time tonight. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. Robin rest up, Christine rest up, Krista rest up and, um, uh, Kelly before... rest up. I will. God, I'm going to rest up and go watch a movie. It'll be good. Uh, folks, thank you. If you like what we do here, give us a like. Give us a sub if you're watching on YouTube because I'm noticing that like only 46% of our viewers are actually subscribed. Let's get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those up. Um, it doesn't cost you anything and it, it, helps, my, it helps my analytics. Um, besides that, if you want to help the channel directly, you can always subscribe on Twitch or you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash dorktales where you get a bunch of additional content at the $5 tier and up. Um, but hell, even a dollar is enough to help, you know, raise our profile a little bit. Um, at $5, you get an extra game session that every month, as well as you're going to be getting access to Strixhaven when it comes in August. Uh, several months before everybody else. Thank you so much, Jim Scheller. I really appreciate that. So, um, and uh, besides that, you can, if you if you're if you're a real mover or shaker, you can get your name listed at the end of the episodes, like my divine producer DM Michael Gray or my demonic producers Solo and Bercarius. You can also be up there with my princes of the Patreon, which include Taryn, Buddy, Trizelta, Cubby Gummy, Eolus, and Amberthist. Uh, and if you're running wild beyond the witchlight, you can always hit up our discord, ask us questions. Uh, we have a GM spoiler chat. Come in there. Um, if you're asking me specifically at me, so at dork tales while you're in there and I will eventually get to it usually pretty quick. I'm not, I'm not on the discord as much as I would like, just because it does. I'm busy with like prepping game. Yeah. Um, but when I am in there, um, at me, it's the easiest way to contact me. Um, or leave a comment on YouTube, which I always read them. I'm just a little slow to answer. I'm trying to make time for that this week after I finish my red lines for a project, uh, like a published project that's coming soon. So, um, besides that, uh, join us on Patreon and we're only 15 away from me doing something wild and crazy. 
because uh, we're at 85 patrons right now, which is pretty... Oh, 84 patrons. Damn! So close! Uh, but join the Patreon! And at uh, I think at 100, I said I'll start working on a new project, like a big project that has, like, folding bits. Um, yes. Uh, but that's what I have for you tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you very much. We'll see you next time on Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Good night, everyone. Dork Tales Presents Wild Beyond the Witchlight is a Dork Tales production. It features Kelly Clark as the Dungeon Master. It stars Hayden Davio as Nico Freya, Robin Halford as Cecira Novus, Krista Mitchell as Isaac Rinaldi, Christine Rattray as Gwendolyn Shafra, and Caitlin Vinkel as Luthien Aridel. To watch episodes live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, tune into twitch.tv slash dorktales, or you can catch us later on YouTube at youtube.com slash dorktales. Our opening and closing theme is Carousel by Monument Studios. This episode also included the music of Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. For a full list of music used in this episode, please check the show notes below. This episode also used music and sound effects from TabletopAudio.com. Tabletop Audio is one of the best resources that a roleplayer can have. It has ambient sound effects, 10-minute loops, and plenty of things to bring additional ambience to your roleplaying experience. We're not sponsored by them, we just love them. Go visit them today and support them if you can. If you like what we do here, you can help us grow by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dorktales. Speaking of which, I'd like to take a minute to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com slash dorktales, starting with our Patreon producers. Our divine producer, DM Michael Gray, the great and powerful. Our demonic producers, Jade, the maker of monsters, and Bracarius, our fun but evil Funkel. We love you, Uncle Marty. Our princes of the Patreon, Taryn, the original Dorktales fangirl, Dustin, our time-traveling buddy from 1977, Drizelta, a.k.a. James Bododge, Eolus the Forever Cleric, Cubby Gummy, and Amberthist. Great to have you on board. Our level 20 heroes, Jan Clark, who's my, my mom, Bob Kessler, who's along for the ride, and Michael Eilat, the graphics guy. Our level 10 heroes, Nacro, the Straw Hat Devil, George Sibley, Snowy323, Hans H. Boundehoof, Professor Multiverse, Robert29, and Adam Baum. Our very important patrons, who donate five or more dollars per month, an actual guinea pig, Dale Cope, the eternal student of life, Camille, who may be six possums in a trench coat, Evan, longtime listener, first-time patron, Mike Baxter, first of his name, Jason Tudor, the mayor of Icewind Dale, Krista Mitchell, the Siege FX engine, Rio, but without the OZ, United Adventure Company, Robin Holford, the wine master, SM Pace, Hillary, Colin Son, Matt DS, Eric and Amber, Moth Vibes D, Chandra Magic, The Traveler, Radical Hair, Evil, Doctor Who 4189, Tommy Kiyamas Fenson, Kara Rett, Red Monk, Stormshanks, Jacob, Joe Abad, Arachnikonikoni, Random Equinox, Uncanny Kate, Dazed Apricot, Aurora Wildheart, Ray G, Robert Fairs, Michael Reynolds, The Bong Master, David Ellis, Confounded Hound, Jeremy Smith, 5280DTCNerd, and Lockgen. And finally, our Dork Squad. Jen Peters, Caitlin, Ba Tran, Willem and Isolde, Just Andy, EJ, Ashley Johnson, an insomniac veterinarian, Stevo's Gaming Dungeon, Creox, Daniel, Brent, CTRSTY, Hayliz, Chris Blog, Patrick, Zach Rules, Ace Emmett, Renee Anderson, Britton Williams, Ash Wolf, Faye Clark, and Ava Hernandez. If you'd like to hear your name at the end of these episodes and get access to exclusive perks, feel free to join us on patreon.com slash dorktales. Dorktales survives on the generosity of our patrons, and I can't express how grateful I am to each and every one of you for your support. Thank you so much, and thanks to you for listening. If you want to reach out, you can find us on the Dorktales Discord. We hope you join us, and we'll see you in the next episode.